0: there's a few things I see um, that really stand out and and one is the concept I think of how we are all programmed to feel we add value and actually what does adding value look like in an organization and I I really believe a lot of us you know very much include myself here that we are sort of hardwired to feel that the way we add value is to advise.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of Georgie Rudd on the show. Uh, good morning to you and welcome, Georgie.
0: Good morning. Thanks very much for having me.
1: It's great to have you on, on the show. Uh, you are an accredited executive coach and you've got over 20 years of business experience leading talent and development functions uh, for leading global organizations. Uh, but now you lead your own sort of coaching, training and consulting practice, uh, Rudd Coaching. and And, and I love... Your headline on, on LinkedIn, and it's particularly pertinent to our conversation today, your headline is helping people to listen and think better. And we will be talking a bit more about that and how we can uh, actually listening is helping people to think as well. But before we, we get into that conversation, I'd love to know what you love about what you do, Georgie.
0: Mm, thank you. Yeah, I think being in the position I'm in, working very often with leaders, um, in the flow of very busy, demanding jobs, it is a real privilege to be able to help them to slow down and create a space for them to do some high quality thinking. And so I suppose what I really love is helping people get clear on what it is they really want and then starting to peel back the layers a bit in terms of the issues behind the issues so very often where we start is not where we end. Um, when we start to join the dots and understand a little bit about what's going on for that individual, mm-hmm. there'll be some things that have maybe, you know, they've just been walked past for a long time. And um, we start to, to get to know those things and, and start to right size them a bit, actually, so that they have the opportunity to see new ways forward. And I think that's um, it's always really exciting to see people have those aha moments. Uh, And then with the listening skills pieces that I do, I I love, I love again, you know, helping people to to have experiences that suddenly open up a whole new world to them in terms of small things they can do Mm. that can make a massive difference when they're talking to other people.
1: It's interesting you talk about listening there and what you do with your with your workshops and things that have that experience. Um, Share with me a little bit more about. Experiencing listening because it's probably a, a an odd concept for people to think about. That how can you experience it and uh, the experience of listening and the power of that and how that sort of starts to do some great stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's it's possibly interesting to sort of talk about how did I get here. you know why am I interested in this, and I think some of that comes from you know, 20 years in corporate careers and being on the receiving end of some pretty poor listening experiences, actually, and observing those around me with other teams um, and, and seeing the knock-on effect of that. And so when we think about listening, I mean, there's a, there's a sense really that nobody really teaches us how to do that. I think some people are predisposed or they have experiences that help them learn that naturally and others not so much. And it is a skill that can be learned. And I'm really interested in why that's important for organizations and why it's important for leadership. Um, I think if we stop and think we've all got experiences of having a poor listening experience, we can think of that. We can actually Mm -hmm. recall it often very quickly because it stayed with us. And if we think about, well, how did that make me feel? And then what happened as a result? And, and often when I'm talking to clients, there is a real recognition there of saying, yes, I, I've got several experiences of that, actually. And mm. I, I, the sorts of words people will use is um, it made me feel small. It made me go quiet. Um, I felt angry. I felt misunderstood, uh, not heard. I withdrew my intellectual capital. I withdrew my motivation. So it's really interesting helping people to almost stop and examine something that we kind of take for granted, actually. It's not something mm. to talk a lot about in the flow of work, but it's it's the single most important part of communication. And, you know, in, in organisations full of human beings, it's a really interesting thing to explore.
1: Uh, and why I've experienced that myself, and we've all probably experienced that, you know, somebody's talking to you whilst they're looking at the phone or looking somewhere else or the you're ready to jump in with a question and literally not listen to you at all they just want to come up with their idea and we've all we've all experienced the how it makes you feel not listened to and it, you don't feel very valued how have organizations got to this place where are still in that place where they're, they're struggling to listen and struggling to um, see the value in in listening because it's a positive thing it's a proactive thing it's an intervention actually it's a tool actually it's not just a Oh, it's a dialogue, and we have you know, we communicate, and we speak, and then we hear and listen. Actually, it's a, it's a tool in itself. So, how have we got this far in organizations? we We're still having these issues with with communication and listening. Yeah, well,
0: I think there's a few things I see um, that really stand out, and one is the concept I think of how we are all programmed to feel we add value, and actually, what does adding value look like in an organisation? And I, I really believe a lot of us, you know, very much include myself here, that we are sort of hardwired to feel that the way we add value is to advise, to tell, to give opinions, actually to have all the answers, particularly so in a client facing organisation where you're there to help solve clients' problems Um so there is a sense of I, I add value by working in this way. And it's quite a flip, actually. It's quite a shift for people to potentially put ego into the backseat for a while and consider they can add value by creating a space for somebody else to do good thinking mm. that actually other people have got immense wells of resourcefulness and ideas and innovation. Uh, and I think the other thing is time. You know, people are very time poor. Um, in the, in demanding jobs. And it can seem like listening is a sort of luxury. Don't have the time to spend doing that. Um, but what we're discovering in in the listening labs that that I run as part of the work we do is people seeing in the space of even 10 minutes, when they're applying some of these um, learned tips, tricks, behaviours around bringing high quality attention and asking good questions, even in mm. 10 minutes, the nature and the quality of that interaction is Phenomenally different, and says so a sense of, "Oh, if I can do that in ten minutes, perhaps that you know there's something in this."
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's having opportunities like you creating those spaces for it to actually see the value of pausing, listening, and seeing the response you get from it. I remember doing my my coach training, and we did a whole thing on listening to each other. I see as coaches, we do a lot of listening as part of what we do, and we had to do like a five minute listening with each other to a, a dilemma. So we had to share a dilemma and the other person had to, had to listen. And um, and the other person couldn't say a word, all they could do is nod and, and and sort of gesture that they were listening. Uh, but it was interesting as people started to share after two or three minutes that dilemma, that dilemma, then they start to create their own solutions and ideas, and at the end of it, they'd already almost solved that dilemma. And so just the power of our allowing somebody to talk and share, and obviously intently valuable listening was almost creating the solution and the person didn't have to say anything. And, you know, you know yourself, we've been in coaching sessions where people have shared stuff and they've created their own actual plan because they've had a time to think and you've created that space. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's powerful. And so I got a quote by Nancy Klein, obviously it talks a lot about uh, listening and people's thinking and, and I like it. And it, it, it's, I'd like you to sort of give your thoughts on this and why this is probably true. Uh, the quality of your attention determines the quality Of other people's thinking.
0: Mm. Uh, It's a beautiful quote from Klein, and and I, like you, am hugely inspired by her work. I think time to think um, has so much application um, for for, for workplaces. I I love that quote also because I think it's easy to underestimate the impact that your listening has on somebody else, and it can be quite a, a sort of mindset shift to think that purely in terms of the quality of listening you're offering, somebody else is either going to become more intelligent or less intelligent. Klein will talk about people when they are, they're very conscious they're not really being listened to. And it can be subtle, you know, but you, you know you're not being listened to. You might start to see somebody stumble over their words a bit. to to sort of scramble around a little bit, to to think less clearly. Mm. And the flip, you know, the reverse is true. When people are in a space where they know they're not going going to get interrupted, they're going to be heard. Somebody is almost thinking with them. They're a thinking partner, as Mm. Klein would call it. Then they're accessing all sorts of deeper thoughts uh, than Mm. than they would ordinarily be able to do. And when you sort of pair up high attention and really brilliant questions, you we start to re-examine the role of questions. You know, often we think of questions as a way to gather data, to um find out for ourselves, to follow mm. our own curiosity. But actually, thinking about questions as a tool for really provoking deeper thoughts mm. to help somebody else—again, it is—it's a really interesting thing to see how people either you know expand or contract.
1: Yeah, it's 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 quite powerful, really, and it, and it, it is a a vital tool in leadership so how how do we and you're doing it part of what you're doing already but how do we change that narrative in organizations with leaders that to see listening as just as valuable if not more Mm -hmm. important than actually just talking yourself or advising Mm -hmm. or being the sort of adding the value piece or the sort of driven probably predominantly by ego but um how do we Mm -hmm. change that narrative
0: Yeah, well, I think the first thing to note is that listening has a place and it doesn't need to be the default mode for every interaction. I suppose what what I'm interested in is have you got the ability to flex when it counts the most? So to be able to flex the listening muscle Mm. um, in some conversations, you know, there are definitely times when listening is not going to be the right response. You know, if someone's got a simple question they didn't answer, um, they'd like to hear the answer. So there's something about judgment and about feeling brave enough and confident enough to flex the listening muscle and then i think you know one way to look at this for organisations is you know how how do they know and how do individuals know that they have good listening skills what tells them that they are listening well and how you know if they're not listening well is that manifesting in the organisation and I, w- I would say there are several things that might be, if you like, indicators or symptoms of a poor level of listening. So meetings, you know, you think about the nature of the meetings in your organisation. Mm. Are, they, are they purposeful? Uh, do you feel that they're really time well spent? Are meetings talking shops or are they, you know, a default kind of round of status updates? Um, do the same people speak every time so what's the quality of the meetings in the organization because that mm-hmm. will tell you a lot about how much listening is going on other areas would be around inclusion for example so do people feel they can be themselves uh engagement do people feel they are heard in the organization or in their team or with their manager or leader mm-hmm. what about hybrid working you know how's that working um Is there a sense of psychological safety? Do people feel able to say what they really need to say? What about innovation? You know, are are, are organisations seeing great ideas bubble to the top? You know, people being actively given a space to share that. Um, Or team effectiveness. That's definitely an area you and I share in common. You know, how are those teams working with the dynamics in that right up to a kind of macro level on strategy development. So how is strategy being developed in organisations? Is it in silos or is there, you know, a willingness to kind of be curious and to listen to what's happening Mm -hmm. in other parts of an organisation? So there's all sorts of things. If we sort of almost looked at it the other way around and said, what's not working for us that well, Um, um, where has listening, where is it a real accelerator? Where can it make a big difference, And I think, you know, if people are even 20% better able to listen, you know, we don't need to aim for something completely unrealistic. That can have a real knock-on to the quality of relationships and Mm. um, strategic conversations and collective working.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a good way because there's no real measure as such and we don't want to get into... KPIs of how much people are listening because that just get, probably get ridiculous, wouldn't it? But it, I think it's good to have that indicative: how are we performing at as innovation? How are we our team meetings are performing? How individuals feeling in terms of sharing? And it, it's probably a probably a gut feel, but that's that's probably okay. It doesn't have to be always a hard measure. Sometimes in life, um you mentioned I think one important thing about uh, psychological safety because as much as you might create. It's almost comes to environment to create an environment for people to share and because obviously if you're listening you're somebody else is speaking Uh, and obviously you want people to speak um, as honestly as they feel comfortable and so how do we create that psychological safety then because I think I think it's quite an important almost um, foundation really in creating those listening moments I
0: guess. Hmm. Yeah I think There's a huge amount within psychological safety that's reliant on curiosity. So in conversations and relationships, you know, what is the level of genuine interest of one person and another person uh, and their opinion? You know, there's the, you've probably seen the trust equation before, which is a really interesting way to look at how, how is trust created? So you've got the elements of credibility and reliability, but then also intimacy. Um, which is a you know an interesting word, but there's some intimacy in that relationship. And if you add all those things up and put them over the kind of um you know divider of self-interest, yeah. then that's a really interesting way to look at trust. So you know as a leader or a manager um, or as a, a you know client facing person, you know wanting to build trust with a client, we bring credibility and reliability relatively easily. I think we rarely stop to think about how we're we creating moments of intimacy and demonstrating we're genuinely oriented towards the other person. And that's where listening plays a massive part. Mm. But really wanting to know, to ask good questions, to be prepared to give somebody the space um, to talk and to think. Uh, and, and there is an element of, of humility to that, I think. Um, but it's really interesting as I go around organizations there is this sort of connection of people now starting to think this isn't just about our internal environment. This is also about our customers and our clients. Mm-hmm. How are we going to build brilliant, you know, trust and safety there? So I, I think psychological safety, it's, it's a, a word that's used a lot. And I think it's an interesting exercise to try and break it down and, and think, well, what are the mm-hmm. ingredients for that? You know, what's underneath that and underpins it. Uh, and I think, you know, for example, um, how are you? You know, we've seen that go around the internet a few times. Ask them twice. Mm. Somebody to be able to answer that honestly, they need to really fail. You would like to know and that you're not judging. Mm. Um, they don't need to be defensive. So the way we ask questions, I think, is quite important. One of the things we talk about from a coaching perspective, but also in the listening labs, is the simple shift in questions to be truly open. So rather than mm. open, reading really open questions that maybe start with a what or a how. Uh, we often default to why, but why is a really interesting
1: It's quite one. can be quite aggressive, can't it? <laughs> it
0: can. It's all about tone. Yeah. So you know an example, you know, I can think of is you know somebody may be asking a direct report, um, why are you not prioritizing that meeting? Now that can be said with a lot of grace and interest and, mm. and you know, not judgment, but it can also sound like, why are you not prioritising that meeting? But If you were to flip it to what's holding you back from prioritising that meeting, that's interesting. Mm. Actually, yeah. what is holding me back? What's going on there? So there's some subtle things we can do that I think just raise the level of psychological safety.
1: Mm. Interesting. I think you said it before, coupling the, the listening piece, which obviously creates that more intimacy, making people feel valued, but actually couple with the, the right questions because uh, the right questions in, evoke the, the the thought, the deep thinking, the insights. And it's not just the insights for you, because I think people forget actually when you ask somebody a question, you're creating insights for them uh, in, that, in that process. And they're thinking about something because you've asked them a, an open question. And by open question, it's there's no judgment. There's no loadedness to it. It's genuinely an open. What do you think about? It? How are you today? It's. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested. And I think obviously the, the how are you piece, which often people just walk through the office. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. And, and <laughs> it's almost a, a stop. result. Actually, if you stop, I, I, used to, I had a, a HR director who used to say to me. She always come. She used to walk around the office and go, "How are you today, Julian?" She so should put it in a moment in time, and it, it made you think and she just looked and she stand there and just look at you and pause and wait and you felt okay um and you have to think of a genuine response rather than say i'm fine she wasn't she was genuinely interested and it actually the intervention of listening became quite a quite a firmness to it as well but uh, but uh, she genuinely wanted to know and i think that's important Mm so on the the question piece and how else can we help leaders who are listening to this right now to think, OK, I need to spend some more time listening and we can talk a bit more about how, how to listen as well. But what about the question side of thing? How else can we invoke that, those insights?
0: Yeah, well, I think the, the choice of question is really important, as we've talked about, but also to recognise that brilliant, powerful questions are generated from really high quality listening sometimes people will ask me, look can I just have the list of really great questions? Have you got that kind of <laughs> 101 of best coaching questions it doesn't exist. There are definitely some ways to structure a question that helps somebody to have that provocative experience but they come from the, the amount of attention that you're bringing. so you'll hear it, you'll hear the thing that gets repeated or you'll hear the hesitation. And actually if we are bringing really high levels of listening, so listening not being binary is another sort of misconception, I think, that I'm either listening or I'm not. Yeah, You know, you could say there are five levels and there, we, we know that um, there are some great books that, that have explored that. So if level five, which is really kind of empathic listening, is in place, you're also spotting what's not being said. It's so mm. important. So, so there's something about that in terms of the generation of the questions, but also pausing once a question has been asked. And I think that's really hard for most of us. You know, a lot of us are uncomfortable with silence of any kind. We would, for some people, you know, we want to rescue them. You know, it's quiet. Gosh, I don't want you to feel awkward, so I'll just keep talking. Um, Whereas, you know, Klein is is great on that and will say, look, it might feel like it's quiet on the outside between you, but it's really noisy in that person's head. Like, let them. So even a small pause, you know, five seconds after you've asked a question, can be a, a game changer for leaders. Um, to resist that that default mode and just give people some space. Mm. Um, and I think these are, the, these are the things I'm really interested in, is the incremental changes that people can make in their day-to-day lives and, and yes, work, but also home. Now, I, I think about some of the quality of conversations I might have with my husband, for example, after a day, and I might say, how was your day? Or, you know, what's going on today and I'd like to say I'm bringing hundred percent of my attention <laughs> but you know realistically I'm not always but it's a it's an important moment to to think am i am i actually giving the people I care about the most my best attention mm. multitasking maybe you're making dinner you know but, so these levels of listening are interesting where I've had people come into the listening lab and say I'm not a good listener I just know that I really I'm going to find this really hard today. And maybe coming out with a different view, which is that I am, I am able to listen really well. And actually I might've discovered I'm better listening in one-to-ones than I am in groups. I can now Mm -hmm. pay attention to that. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot around incremental changes that can just shift the dynamic of an interaction. And if you could multiply that around organizations, Mm -hmm. it's an exciting prospect, um, That we don't all need to have a coaching certificate. In many ways, that's unhelpful. You Mm. know, but we can almost strip that back a bit, go back to basics around these everyday leadership experiences.
1: And I think that's what it is. It's those everyday moments, isn't it? It's not just about the meetings, the presentations, the client interactions. It's the everyday moments and um, it's the marginal gains, you know, talk a lot about in, in elite sports, and it's marginal gains. Mm. And I know, you know, like you know, I've got children, it's those moments of grabbing those moments when they do speak to you when they're certainly in the teenager's time, and you grab those moments and just listen to them. <laughs> and uh, and I you know, I often when I used to pick my girls up late from parties, they're just talking and everything else, and I just used to take the moment, just ages just to be with them, build that relationship, but just listen. I didn't really have to say anything really. Mm. Um, and I think that as leaders we need to just grab those moments. And even if it's whatever it's water cooler moments, lunch moments, just listen. And that doesn't have to be work related, does it? It can just be just I'm interested in you. And it's showing that interest. And people love to be interested in themselves, as in, you know, ask questions about what about what they did the weekend genuinely. How do you get on with that? And and sharing stuff. And it's it's building that intimacy you talked about in terms of building that trust. And intimacy comes through relationship, comes through that genuine interest in somebody else. So before we, we finish, what, what sort of two or three things you would share with a leader that would help them right now to be a more effective listener to this podcast right now? They go away and go, I'm going to take what Geordie said, those two or three things, to make me a more effective listener in my, in my workplace.
0: But you asked about three, three things leaders could do that would maybe make a difference to their, their relationships and interactions. Any anybody really in the world of work um, to be thinking about in conversations, so the first would be to, to just slow things down, to consider that if you just had five minutes to do something different at the beginning of the meeting, what could you change? So maybe you've, Fighting the default mode of wanting to ask about the particular project or the workload, but ask a more open question, a a more provocative one one with scope for others to to really talk about what's most important to them. So being on their agenda would be a a really good thing to do. The second is to, to really be mindful of what you've got around you. So not listening can be very subtle. You know, you could just be visibly distracted. Uh, it might be, it might be just checking the phone. It might be eyes all over the place. It might be that you're just thinking about the biggest problem you've got. So just stopping, resetting and thinking, I'm just going to give somebody the gift of really listening to them for the, for a couple of minutes. And then questions. So really thinking and being thoughtful about your choice of questions, um, of avoiding the temptation to ask the question that you think will lead them to the answer you've already got. But to start with a what or a how. Um, and to, to give somebody time, so to, to pause after that.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Georgie. That's been really helpful, a uh, really good conversation. Um, I know you can't hear me, but that's fine. Um, whether you can hear me say uh, how we can get in contact with you, but what I will do, I will say goodbye and uh, we'll put all the details how people can connect with you on LinkedIn and your websites. Uh, really appreciated your time today. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.